All right, so I'm just dying to ask you, how has been how has the journey of peace been for <laughs> you following the sermon on peace? Okay, Mariana? so first of all, welcome. I'm glad you're here. I came in running late and all agitated, so the uh, the question is very appropriate. It seems like <laughs> so passive aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> How's the whole piece going? No, it, it's good. Thank you for asking. It's a practice. Yeah. I have not arrived anywhere. I'm exercising this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it is fun, like to be able to to be experiencing the, these themes of peace, joy, yes. hope, and. Today is love. Love, yeah. Yes. And so these are practices and they are things to engage, but yeah. it isn't something to be perfect in. So I just think it's kind of fun. That is absolutely true. Okay. Yeah. And today, Pastor Nate is here. I'm so sorry. That's not true. Today, Pastor Alan is here bringing wow. a message of love. <laughs> We're having the entire teaching team in this series, which is cool, in this month. So Alan is here bringing this message of joy Oh my gosh! Okay, I love wait. this. No, no. 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 Here's the whole. This is her bottle has been shaken, and so is her brain. <laughs> and this is fun. Do not cut this. What am I talking about? <laughs> I know. You I'm so happy you're here. Here's our head. sermon series, <laughs> sermon on, on love. love. <laughs> on love. This is great. Hello, Christ community. It is so good to be with you today. I am grateful to be a part of your spiritual journey. Hey, I wanted to invite you to one of our Christmas Eve services. This year, we're adding a really fun element to our in-person gathering. So rather than just having four services, we're going to be turning our lobby into a homey, Christmassy environment for you to enjoy. So we're going to have a hot chocolate bar and Christmas cookie decorating for the kids and some Grinch sightings and carolers and glow sticks. It is going to be so fun. So we want you to come and hang out and be family here before and between our services. Now, there are more details in our newsletter, which you can find on the QR code. Feel free to invite friends, coworkers, whoever, neighbors to Christmas Eve. It's going to be really fun. And of course, we'll still be live streaming our four services if you would prefer to experience Christmas Eve that way. Either way, it's going to be a great experience. God is doing so many cool things in and through this church family. I encourage you to check out the impact report in our newsletter this week. It is it is such, such a cool summary of some of the things that God has done in our church this past year and the lives that have been and are being impacted through you as a church. So way to go. Thanks to those of you who are investing financially in what God is doing through this church. Your gifts are making an impact. Just one quick example of that impact. I got an email recently from the pastor of LaSalle Community Church. They use our teaching videos for their services. And he wrote these words. He said, I just want to share this note with you. 11 years ago, my wife and I had our daughter, Olivia. At the time, we attended First Baptist Church in LaSalle. My wife and I were the only young adults of the church, and our daughter was the only child in the church. FBC, or First Baptist, was a dying church. As you know, our elders reached out to Christ Community for help, and we began a partnership. And I wanted to let you know that as we watched your celebration sermon a couple weeks ago, I couldn't help but think of that defining moment for LaSalle Community Church, formerly known as First Baptist. Yesterday, my daughter was one of around 15 kids in our children's ministry and another six to eight youths 
We have a great mix of young, young families and older members. We are thriving because of the way God worked in your church. LaSalle Community Church would not exist if not for Christ Community Church. I hope you guys understand how much our church appreciates you guys. Man, I just love that. I love just hearing stories like that. And again, I just want to say that your gifts are making an impact. Well, speaking of impact, today I want to talk about the impact that Christmas can have on our lives and the world around us. More than any other holiday, Christmas speaks most powerfully to our longings and our heartaches and our struggles. Now, for some people, this season brings great joy and anticipation, but for others, this time of year is a struggle filled with feelings of loneliness or loss or disappointment, regret, emptiness, feelings of stress and anxiety, or maybe just plain old exhaustion. I mean, I can personally identify three or four of those things that have been a part of my own experience this season. But here, here's the amazing news. Wherever we're at, Christmas speaks directly to our situation. In the Christmas Carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem, there's this line in the first verse, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. I love that. What happened in Bethlehem doesn't stay in Bethlehem. What happened in Bethlehem meets us in our sadness, our fear, our disappointment. It meets us right where we are. So how is that the case? Well, Christmas is this incredibly powerful reveal of the one thing that our hearts ultimately long for and need, and that thing is love. In this Advent teaching series, we're exploring four different Christmas carols that reveal to us the four themes of Advent, peace, joy, love, and hope. Well, today we're focusing in on the theme of love and exploring how the carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem, one of my favorites, reveals this love. The reality is love is at the heart of what Christmas is all about. I mean, Christmas shows us what genuine love looks like. But, but listen, listen, this love is so much more than simply the giving of gifts. Yeah, that is certainly a demonstration of love. But when we truly unpack what happened in Bethlehem that night, we quickly realize that the love on display, that love on display is way more than a Black Friday deal we secure for a loved one and then wrap up with a bow. And here's why. The love on display in Bethlehem was not simply transactional. It was incarnational. And that's what makes it so powerful to us today and to every person on the planet. So here's my goal in this message. I want, to, I want you, first of all, to see the incarnational love of God. And then I want you to feel and experience the incarnational love of God. And then finally, as a result of that, I want you to joyfully share this love with others. The message of incarnational love, the, the incarnational love of Jesus, that message is for everyone. Okay, so first, let's see his incarnational love. What does incarnational love look like? Well, in the carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem, the second verse says this, For Christ was born of Mary and gathered all above. While mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wondering love. O morning stars together, proclaim thy holy birth. 
and praises sing to God the King, and peace to men on earth. It was way more fun to sing than say. Okay. But the the word Christ speaks of God's anointed one, the Messiah. So for centuries, the people of Israel had clung to a promise that that a Messiah was going to be born. But what they didn't fully grasp was that that this Messiah would actually be God in the flesh. That concept was unfathomable to the Jewish people, especially the Jewish leaders, which is why when Jesus later claimed to be God, all the religious leaders got upset and they wanted to kill him for his blasphemy. But the teaching of scripture is very clear. Jesus was born of a virgin of the Virgin Mary who conceived through the Holy Spirit. So the child born to Mary was not only a baby, but was also God in the flesh, God coming to earth. Now, I love how John The Apostle John describes this in his gospel, the first chapter. Remember, John was an eyewitness to Jesus' life and ministry. So in in this first verse, John declares, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So John uses the Greek word logos, or word, to describe who Jesus is. And it's such a powerful word to describe that because what he's saying is that Jesus in his very person communicates to us. That's what words do. They communicate. So Jesus communicates to us what God is like. And also he's explaining that Jesus is God. So then in verse 14, John adds another element. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So in Jesus, God became a human being. He made his dwelling among us. In other words, as the message paraphrase described it, Jesus moved into our neighborhood. That's what he did. He moved into our neighborhood. He entered into the sin-stained, broken world. He, He took on flesh. In other words, Jesus experienced what it's like to be human, not only physically in terms of headaches and eating and going to the bathroom and all that. He also experienced what we experience in terms of emotions, anger, frustration, rejection, sadness, grief. This is staggering. I mean, there is no earthly analogy that can even come close to describing what Jesus has done in coming to earth. I mean, maybe Elon Musk moving into a slum in Calcutta would perhaps scratch the surface of what Jesus did. I mean, this is incarnational love. Incarnational love is not, is not just sending money to help someone in need you know, somewhere else. It's actually moving into that situation. It's being with that person in their struggle. I mean, this is what Jesus did. He moved into our neighborhood. He became one of us. I mean, just think for a moment what this reveals to us about what our God is like. He is not a God who just offers to help us from a distance. He is not a God who isolates himself behind bodyguards and gated palaces in a distant country, sending emissaries to us every once in a while. No, he is a God who actually wants to be with us in our situation, in our need, in our brokenness and pain. And he was willing to do that. See, I don't know what your perception of God is like. Maybe you feel like God is distant. 
or just uncaring or emotionally disconnected or aloof or whatever. But look, I I want you to know this. Christmas shows us what God is like. He is our Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us in our pain. God with us in our grief. God with us in our failure and our fear. God with us in every aspect, every part of our lives. See, this is what genuine love looks like. You know, often we think, when we think about love, we think the opposite of love is hate. And that's true, but there's another opposite of love, and that is indifference. You ever had the experience of going through a really difficult time and you let someone know about it and their response is to say, I'll pray for you. And then you don't hear from them for weeks. That doesn't feel like love. What feels like love is when we share with someone a struggle that we're going through and their immediate response is, I'm on my way. I'll be there as soon as I can. And when they get there, their presence communicates to your heart a powerful message. I'm here with you. I'm here with you. That's incarnational love. And it's the love we see God demonstrating in the Christmas account. In the midst of your brokenness and pain and fear and failure, God says to you, I'm here with you. I'm here with you. Neither hell nor high water can keep me from being with you. So the next time you see a nativity scene, I want to encourage you to stop and realize what that scene is communicating. It is God saying to you, nothing can keep me from you. I'm here with you. In whatever situation you find yourself in, in whatever emotions you're carrying, I'm with you, God says, because I love you. Friends, this is incarnational love. That's incarnational love. That is what God wants us to realize that Christmas is all about. But it's not only that God wants us to see this and realize it. He also wants us to experience his incarnational love. Now, this is one of the things that I love about the Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Lots of other Christmas carols tell the story of Jesus' birth and the shepherds and the magi, and they articulate the theological significance of God becoming man and Jesus, Lord, at thy birth, all of that. But this carol, this particular carol uniquely talks about how we experience the reality of Christmas the reality of incarnational love. Look with me at verse, um, at verse four of this carol. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell, O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. I love this verse. What what Philip Brooks, the writer, is describing here is twofold. For one thing, he's describing the initial moment of salvation, how when when we place our trust in Christ, he casts out our sin and he enters in. He is born in us 
in a very real way. He comes to live in us through the presence of his spirit, which is amazing. And if you have not experienced that new birth, I am going to give you an opportunity to do that at the end of this message, because it is the most important thing you could ever do and the most wonderful thing you could ever experience. But this Christmas carol we just read is talking about way more than just that initial reality of being born again in Christ. This carol is talking about Jesus abiding with us. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. This is not a one-time thing. This is a continual reality. Jesus wants us to continually experience his withness, that he is with us. This language of abiding used in this carol comes from Jesus' own words in John 15. Look at this powerful verse, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain or abide in my love. See, Jesus wants us to remain and to abide and to live in his incarnational love for us. This is how we can experience the reality of Christmas every day in our lives and in every situation and in every emotion that we encounter. It's found in our decision, our choice, our choice says to abide in Jesus' incarnational love for us, to allow his love to meet us in our anxiety, to meet us in our sadness, to meet us in our fear of the future, to meet us in our anger, to meet us in our disappointment with where our lives are right now. What we're talking about here is a conscious decision we make throughout our day to tune our hearts to the Lord, to be aware of his presence with us. There's this fascinating passage in Genesis 28 where Jacob is fleeing from his brother and he stops to sleep. And and during his sleep, Jacob has this powerful dream of a stairway to heaven. And when he wakes up, he knows his dreams from the Lord. So when he wakes up, he has this thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. See, notice the issue is not, the issue is not whether or not God was with him. God was with him. Jacob's issue, he realizes, was, was, was that he was not aware of God's presence with him. God was with him. He just wasn't aware of it. And that is our issue as well. We, we know the Bible verses that talk about God being with us, Emmanuel, all that stuff. The question is, how often are we consciously aware of that? How often do we open our hearts to this glorious reality of Jesus being with us? What we're talking about is what a guy named Brother Lawrence described centuries ago as practicing the presence of God. Now, there are a couple of intentional ways we can grow in practicing the presence of the Lord. One is through literally creating space in our schedule and our environment to be with Jesus. This used to be called a quiet time, um, which to some may feel a little cheesy, may felt a little cheesy, um, which is why you don't hear it very much anymore, perhaps. But I think it's a, it's a really accurate description of what this is. It's a time that we've set aside to be quiet in the Lord's presence, to enjoy him, to let him speak to us, to pray about the things that are on our hearts. Now, I don't know about you, but man, when I, when I go without this for even a few days, I feel like life starts to squeeze out my experience of God's love for me, my experience, not the cognitive knowledge of it, 
but my experience of his love. I had this happen the week of Thanksgiving. I'd taken the week off, and I was able to play some golf and took a trip to see family over Thanksgiving. And in, in the midst of all that, I mean, there, there were some things going on in my heart, some struggles with anxiety and, and sadness. But I chose not to spend time with the Lord, not to process those things with him. I just kept busy. Well, as the week progressed, I could feel this sludge, a spiritual sludge start to enter into my heart. It's just this dread, this fear, this sort of apathy. I don't want to go back to work, you know, all that. So I could just feel it. So finally, I took some time to be alone with Jesus and to let him into these places, into my heart. And it felt so good to let him love me in those places and to speak to my heart. I missed that. I missed him. He hadn't moved, but I had. I had just kept busy and had neglected my heart in the process. Look, friends, for some of us, for some of you, that's what you need more than anything right now. You just need some time alone with Jesus. Perhaps you've been carrying the weight of things for a while and you know your heart is not in a good place and you're just kind of hunkering down, keep on going from day to day. Man, look, look, slow down. Courage you, slow down. Take some time to be with Jesus, to abide in him and to let him, just let your, your heart experience him abiding with you. Uh, sometimes I'll be visiting with someone um, who's all worked up about and agitated about the latest news. Uh, and they're all, you know, worried and all this stuff. And I just, as I'm listening to them express all this, I, I just wonder how much time is this person abiding in Jesus and his word compared to how much time they're spending abiding in the news? I mean, no wonder we feel so anxious and so angry or discouraged. What, what are we creating space for in our lives? What are we abiding in? Now, the other intentional practice of, uh, or aspect of practicing the presence of Jesus is learning how to tune our hearts to the Lord periodically throughout our day, consciously becoming aware of his presence with us. This isn't the, hey, I'm going to have a quiet time for 30 minutes. This is, hey, just throughout our day, becoming conscious of his presence with us. This could mean taking several delight pauses throughout our day where we stop for 60 seconds and we just allow our hearts to be aware of God delighting in us, of God's love for us. Another practice that we often talk about around here is spiritual breathing. And what spiritual breathing is, it's so simple. You just take a moment and you focus on your breathing. But as you do that, you attach a prayer to your breath. So for instance, on the inhale, Abba, Father. And on the exhale, I belong to you. Abba, Father. I belong to you. Or another one that I heard recently, really simple one, be loved. So be loved. So simple. And yet it recenters our heart and our body on the Lord. Now, there are a couple of other moments that I think are especially powerful in helping us practice the presence of Jesus. When we get up in the morning and when we go to bed. See, one thing I've noticed is how so often, so many of us, we start our day, what do we do? First thing, start our day by immediately looking at our phone. First thing, checking out social media, checking out the news or texts or whatever. Why do we do that? 
I mean, we're basically starting our day with things that often stir in us comparison, anger, frustration, stress. I mean, what if we started our day with a prayer instead? Before we grabbed or looked at our phone, what if we prayed Psalm 23 or the Lord's Prayer before we even got out of bed? What if we stopped in that moment and just welcomed Jesus into our hearts afresh as our Emmanuel? And the same thing is true before we go to bed. I mean, rather than going to sleep to another Parks and Rec episode, nothing wrong with that, but, but rather than doing that, what if we took a few minutes and we quieted our hearts, maybe taking a moment to reflect upon our day and what, what are we grateful for that happened that day and then commit our sleep to the Lord? See, th- those are just some practical ideas. The, the question is, What can you and I do to intentionally welcome the Lord into various moments of our day, throughout our day? God's incarnational love in Christ is available to us 24-7. But are are we taking time to experience that love? Now, there's one other aspect of this incarnational love that I want to mention. The more we walk in the incarnational love of God for us, the more easily we're able to share his incarnational love with others. We have the privilege of not only experiencing this incarnational love, but of also extending that love to others around us. I mean, we get to be carriers of this love to the world around us. That's, that's not doing very well. I mean, there are opportunities for this all around us. The question is, are we stepping into those opportunities? <clears throat> the other evening, I really wanted to go to bed and there was a pile of laundry on, on our bed. So I was folding our laundry because, I, again, I wanted to go to bed. And so as I'm folding our laundry, I, I hear Raylene, my wife Raylene, scream really loud, scream in frustration from her downstairs work area. So she makes these really cool scripture signs for people as housewarming gifts. And so I hear her scream in frustration from downstairs, which was very unusual for Raylene. But I just kept folding laundry, uh, thinking to myself, ah, I'm sure she'll work it out. You know, what, what can I possibly do to help? I don't do that kind of crafty stuff. You know, what, that, that's kind of her thing. Not a great response, I know. But, but I wanted to go to sleep. So after the third, after I hear the third frustration scream from her, I stopped folding laundry and I went downstairs and I saw what had happened. So she had been trying, working really hard for a long time to put these sticky vinyl letters on this clear, this piece of clear plastic. But these letters had un- accidentally attached to the wrong section, the wrong thing. So she was trying to pull these vinyl letters off. And as she was doing that, they were being stretched and they were being torn and all, it was a mess. And my, my initial thought in looking at this situation was this, this is hopeless. There is no way to rescue these vinyl letters and make a sign out of this. But I got in there. I, I went over there where she was. I got in there and started to hold down the sheet so she could peel the letters up and our arms were crossing over each other and our hands were, you know, both working this vinyl. And pretty soon it actually came off and it didn't look that bad. In fact, here's a picture of the end product. Okay, so really, so, so the minute she realized it was rescued, she looked at me and she got this big smile on her face and she gave me a kiss. I was like the best husband in the world, you know, for at least the next three minutes or so. But, but, but you know, it felt really good. It felt really good to love incarnationally. I mean, I could have stayed upstairs. 
and maybe said a prayer for her, Lord, bless Raylene, whatever's going on in her life. I could have done that and then kept folding laundry. But, but I would have missed a beautiful opportunity. It was when I went downstairs and entered into her situation, her frustration, that real love started to bring life out of that difficult situation. Jesus came downstairs for us, and he invites us to do the same for others. What an amazing privilege we have to be carriers of his incarnational love to other people around us. Where are there people around you who are hurting and who need someone to sit with them and just listen to them? Or maybe who needs someone to serve them in some practical way, entering into their situation. I was talking with my daughter, Erin, the other day. She's part of our church, helps lead the post-college group. And she's awesome, by the way. Um, But she's also a part of our church's Kids Hope ministry. So every Wednesday afternoon, she goes over to Maplewood Elementary, and she spends an hour with this eight-year-old boy named Julio, doing homework and talking, listening, and she enters into his world, into his life. So the other day, she was telling me about how cute he is, um, but also about how they missed a week because of Thanksgiving vacation. And, and when she saw him this past week, she asked him, hey, Julio, how, how was your Thanksgiving? And he said, it was good. I missed you. And man, her heart melted on the spot. What amazing opportunities we have all around us this Christmas season and beyond to be with someone in their need, in their situation, on their turf, right? And in their, in their need to not only experience God's incarnational love for us, but to also be that love for others. Man, I love how so many of you are living this out and it is making a difference. It is bringing light into some dark and painful places. Let's just keep bringing it. Let's keep bringing it. Let's be loved so that we can be love to the world around us. Let's pray. So I encourage you right now, just quiet your heart, whatever you're doing, if you can quiet your heart for a few moments. And let's experience what we're talking about. Let's let's think about it in the presence of the Lord. So I want to encourage you, first of all, I want you to think about your honest perception of God. Not, oh, I know what God's supposed to be like, but what honestly, what is your perception of God? Is he is he distant? Is he aloof? Is he emotionally disconnected? So however you perceive God to be, I want you to take a moment and imagine in your mind a nativity scene. And as you're looking at that nativity scene, think for a moment of what God did for you in becoming one of us. That's how much he wants to be near you. So let's take a moment and let's open our heart to experience him as love. Let's do, let's do just some spiritual breathing. So on the inhale, just as you, on the, as you inhale, whisper B. 
And on the exhale, whisper, loved. So let's do this a couple times. Just experience his love surrounding you and filling you. He is with you. Wherever you're at, he is with you. Now let's ask the Lord one other question here. Holy Spirit, are there situations where I can be incarnational love to someone else? And who might that be, Lord? Maybe it's a neighbor, a friend, a family member, a coworker. So as you're thinking about that person, as you're thinking about that need the Lord has brought to mind, what would it look like for you? to be incarnational love to them. So Holy Spirit, would you help us see these opportunities and these people the way you do? And and out of the love that you are giving us, that you would give us the courage to move towards that need, to be with that person in that need. And so finally, by way of response, there may be some of you who are watching this and you realize you don't have a relationship, a personal relationship with God through Christ where he has been born in you and he has cast out your sin. He's forgiven you. That's why Jesus came. He died on the cross to pay for our sins so that we could experience life in him and his very presence living in us. So if that's you, if, it, if that's what you want, you know that you don't have Christ living in you or you're not certain, I would love to lead you in a prayer where you can open your heart to receive Jesus, to receive him so that he comes and lives in you forever. So if that's the desire of your heart, would you pray with me? In the silence of your heart or out loud if you want, but just pray with me. Dear God, I admit that I need you. Thank you for coming to earth in the person of Jesus. And Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin and then rising from the dead to give me life. I choose, I want a relationship with you. I choose to place my trust in you alone. I bring to you all my sin and failure and doubts and questions. And in exchange, I receive your love and your life and your forgiveness and your very spirit living in me. Thank you. Thank you for the gift of life in you. Father, I pray for those who prayed with me. I pray for them to grow in their relationship with you. They'd tell someone and they would grow in their experience of your love and your life. So protect them, watch over them, and bless them.
I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's talk about this, this message of love, Alan. I think that the thing, as we've been talking, even just in general, all the Advent themes, I've been thinking of just the different ways that all these things are expressed. So as I'm listening to your message, I think one, one first thing that I'd like to bring up is just the, the variety of, of ways. If you would have asked me prior to the message, how do you know that God loves me? You know, and there's so many things that I could name. And you, you picked one, because obviously there's so much you can talk about, which is his, the, the fact that he's present and that he came, obviously, the coming of Jesus. And it's that, you know, thinking of the, the five love languages, the, the, the quality time, the giving mm. of the time, you know, rather oh, than words good. or gifts or whatever. And like, I'm coming and I'm here. So that's, well, that's kind of the first thing that I'm— them all. Oh, he, he absolutely did. Oh, he absolutely did. I'm saying that in the sermon we're we're focusing on. That's one. the thing I'm saying oh, though. Yeah. In the idea of being incarnate, he hit all of them. All mm. five love languages. Yeah. that's a cool way yeah. to look at that. Yeah, because there is one one love language that um, you know my wife has that quality time with, but that whole being with, and that that's cool. I'd never thought about God's love in that sort of. Uh, framework of the five love languages yeah, and how it does express all of them, yeah. but there is something unique. And for some people that is especially powerful. Yeah. So is that Raylene's love uh-huh. language? Yeah. So that primary score. Too, yeah. Good job going to the basement. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. I was right. so proud of yeah. you. Was I didn't even think bonus about that. points, bonus points. <laughs> yeah. For that's not, true. I hadn't just, made that connection on the love language thing, but that's exactly it. It's, you spoke her language. Yeah, that yeah. was probably especially meaningful for her because of the way, um, yeah, that she receives love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have? You said you have some. I have a whole a bunch of things like t- talking about the practice portion of it, mm-hmm. and is so. Can I just jump sure, in there yeah, yeah. and then we go back? Go for it. Um, something I was thinking about during the quiet time portion of it. Um, just some things that I thought about, but then the sermon expanded and, and kind of like touched the things I was thinking. Um, but the quiet time, as I have experienced it, it, it isn't about just the quiet time. It's it's kind of like that time is the time that God and I hang out and we talk about the day that hasn't happened. And it's like the both of us are on the same page. (laughs) And so if that happens, then the two of us spend the day together. Mm. And there's the checking in throughout the day. And then at the end, it's like, so how did it go? <laughs> and the that. two of us together have time to actually sit and process it. Yeah. Um, but if that quiet time, if that time before the day, if that d- doesn't happen, it seems kind of like the whole day is void. Interesting. Um, so it isn't just, so, so I haven't had this time alone with God. It's like the whole day has been, I'm doing this by myself. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of like um, a little different time frame, but it's kind of like with Raylene and I, if we don't have a date night, 
regularly scheduled in, then it it's it starts impacting our everyday relationship, yep. but not in like this conscious way. Yeah. You know, there's just a a connection that isn't there that by intentionally cultivating it is. Um, mm-hmm. But I love that idea of the purpose of both at the start of the day with the Lord. Yeah. Hey, what's this day look like? Inviting him into that. Mm-hmm. And then there is this connection throughout the day, an awareness on our part that's yep. naturally there. And then I love the idea of kind of debriefing the day. It's like, how did it go? And mm-hmm. that's beautiful. Man. And I, I, I mean, I, I just that. don't even like it. So I think for people who practice practicing the presence of God, mm-hmm. it comes to this point that it isn't like something that you actually even have to do. Yep. It's just your day. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this poet who has this poem that he complains that God gets up so early. <laughs> and it's, it's so funny. He's like, oh, he always gets up so early saying it's time to get up. We have things to do. <laughs> and I think there's just something so cool about that. So. I love that. That's a great picture. You made me think of this podcast I listened to that he said, we talk so much, you know, about the Christian journey. Like if you're following Jesus, so you're you're walking with Jesus. If you're not with Jesus, you're walking away from Jesus. And he said, nobody talks about walking ahead of Jesus. Oh. <laughs> and how you're... You're walking with Jesus or you're walking away with Jesus. How about those of us that are walking ahead and you're just going about your stuff that's rather good. than that walking with? Dude, wow, that's so, me. That's that's a great way to look at it. That was very convicting for me too. But yeah, I love that picture of what you're saying. It's like you're you're walking with and, and that withness is what allows for the experience yep. for you to be able to see and receive. And there's so many times we can see that's such a a true um, reality for all relationships, how, you know, maybe somebody is expressing love or pursuing you, but if you're not in a place of receiving that, you're you're missing out on that love um, connection. So, yeah, the... Yeah, I really like that. I think the... um, I like the way you've integrated those because I think sometimes people... um, we they really are separate things they're integrated but they're also separate things because i think some people are oh yeah i just have a conversation with the lord i'm talking to him all the time and i love that but i think i feel like there might be something missing for the person who this is just a part of their day they're driving but they're missing that stillness i'm not driving at the same time i'm not multitasking i this is me and jesus and some time i've set aside for that um and then there are other times where people, oh, I've had my quiet time. But then throughout the day, there's, I've done that, check that off, and there's not any thought of him the rest of the day. And I think what you're describing is this integration that really, I think both are a critical aspect of that. Now, we're going to be at various places, obviously, and I'm, we're not, it's not a legalistic thing. But I do think there's something about cultivating both of those so they become, as you're describing, just a natural part of your life, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, it's, um, okay, so so going into the idea of the incarnate, and I, I mean, you know, for us, so it isn't that big of a deal. Uh-huh. Okay, like the incarnation, it's like, well, yeah, he always, like, for our culture, he always has been here. Um, but for the Jewish people, during the birth of Christ, the idea of God 
coming down and pursuing us <laughs> compared to all of the other cultural gods of th th that time. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a huge juxtaposition mm -hmm. happening of, you know, there are these gods that are so separate that just, you know, observe people yeah. and they place bets on people. And th then you have the the god of the Jews who, like, comes down and pursues. Yeah. And then he invites his followers to join in. Here's the point I'm trying to get. Uh, is it's so cool that you go into a place of, like, he invites you to participate and being the, the incarnation. incarnation of he even goes in and calls his followers the body of Christ. It's like his body is doing it. Mm. Mm. That's cool. And I'm excited to talk about that. And that's a plan of Jesus. That's plan A. Mm -hmm. And there isn't a plan B and a plan C. Like mm. he expects his followers to be his body. His, body. his incarnate, incarnate presence is in us. He uh -huh. just didn't go into our city. He came into us and said, game on. Well, that's where yeah. the idea of the spirit of, we're the temple. So the New Testament talks about the spirit living in each of us individually, but it also talks about we are the temple. Like uh -huh. the body of Christ is the temple. It's the dwelling place of God. And when you look at the Old Testament, his desire to bless all people um, it wasn't just this select group. It was this idea to bless everyone. That's really powerful when we realize we as the church, we are the incarnational presence of God in our city. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really cool that and is, inspiring yeah. and fun. And yeah. It's like, wow. And yeah. the fact that God never had this position of not caring like what, what you're saying compared to the other gods, like he, there's this shocking love compared to other cultures and the the what's the word like the participation he he, oh. he gets in there rather than well i hope things work out over there and this i don't know in, in my mind the the picture you painted there i'm like this is really incredible how he involved is the word i was going for thank you the involvement there's this involvement uh from god's part and then he gets involved with us in the in the body and invites us into this togetherness with the mission and everything and it, it seems at times that that is kind of cliche i think like he invites us to do the things he's doing right but he's truly inviting yeah. us to do the things that he's doing that the church so if it's true that he is incarnate in us. And I, I mean, that's the thing that separates Christianity from everything else is he is here and he's here. And there isn't this huge like gap between the place he is and the earth. And it's, there's some, there is a huge yeah. value, purpose, calling, engagement, I don't know. Like, there's, yeah. it's different than just do you accept him? Right. 
And that's why it's funny and I'm here lacking words because it's like, yeah, we know that. Like, there's nothing brand right. new. But it's when it clicks. It's like, wait like, a second. Wow, that's really interesting <laughs> that God did that. Yeah. But Hold it's on. cliche. It's like Sunday school <laughs> in the fourth exactly. grade. I knew this. But do you, do you participate? Do you expect? Yeah. Have you gotten... As God got you up super early in the morning, like, <laughs> here we go again. It's another day, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I went, yeah. yeah, I was thinking of, at some level, right, we get it in fourth grade, God in the flesh, all that at some level. But but you were just talking about the other gods, and I was thinking about that story of Elijah and um, Mount Carmel and um, the Baal yeah. worshippers. And imagine if that was what our God was like. Yep. Mm. They have to cut themselves. They have to dance around trying to get him to do something. Yeah. That's depressing. Yeah. But it's often the perception we have of God, you know? He's not really with me unless I... That's good. Had a two-hour quiet time unless I, you know... I don't or know, if I sing and dance around and call uh, out yeah. and fast and I mean uh, I'm just gonna right. I'm just yeah. gonna play that game a little bit <laughs> like that's you're right even when yeah we can fall into that trap yeah. even in our spiritual things not yeah. that there's anything wrong with it, dancing or singing right yeah, but I know that's but what we I'm saying. can yeah. Why turn are we doing things it? right yes why am I doing it am I doing it to get God to, to invoke to turn God his face, yeah. right and come on do something so I'm gonna yeah that's that's interesting. Yeah, the heart posture changes everything. So good. <laughs> so if we can, however we keep in our mind, and I think that's what's cool about Christmas, all the nativity scenes we see around us, whatever it takes for us to keep that reality first and foremost in our mind, hmm. he is with us. And this is the extent to which he expressed his love. Right. That's powerful. That is powerful. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I think think for the conversation for today yes that's it good because stuff to think about. there's a ton of things yeah that was yep. unpacked here so yeah thank you guys for that, that was really well fun. thank you for joining Thanks. us and have a good rest of your day